Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Woo! What is up, everybody? Hello, Wonder Fam. Welcome back to another episode of Allison's Wonderland, where we go into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. And today we are sitting down with the stunning Erica Schroeder to chat all about her illustrious career as a voice actress and some of the fantastic projects that she has been in. So I am so, so excited to introduce some of you already know Erica and are well familiar with her work on shows like Pokemon and as the original voice of Luffy on One Piece, as the voice of Elvira from Secret Magic Control Agency, the Netflix number one rated property from 2021, and so many, so many more. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and add Erica to the chat right now and we'll get started. Hey, happy Thursday. I know we haven't seen each other since Boston. We were at the Northeast. So awesome. is that what it's called? That's such an interesting setup. Do you remember? Was that fake plan? Yeah. I remember oh, that the hotel was leaking. Yeah, the hotel was le- <laughs> leaking and there was this hilarious thing where I was convinced that all of the plants were fake and you were like, no, they're real. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure they're they're fake. And so we were on my little thing and you went out and you like picked up one of the Miranda like it's real <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> yeah I remember I remember some of our late night chats that was a fun time <laughs> yeah oh it's so good to see you today yeah and so now you you've had a very long career as a voice actress you've been doing this for a number of years but you actually started doing theater and broadway and all that so how did you kind of find your way into voice acting for well, um, regular as a kid you know you'll have our dreams and stuff and i always wanted to be the voice of a cartoon i knew it was going to happen i just didn't know when and my other dream was to be on broadway again same thing i knew it was going to happen but i didn't know when so um, my trajectory was for Broadway because I was like, the other thing's going to happen somehow. But there's like at that point and still there's no university program for that. You know, there is a you know, yeah. acting degree for classical theater, musical theater on camera. But there really isn't one designed for the animation voice actor. Right. So it just yeah. kind of, you know, Broadway did happen first and then EO happened, I think, a year or two later. And it happened because I got an audition for this show called Ultramantiga. Does anybody remember Ultramantiga, you guys? I tell people this. I don't know if her name was Rena or Reina because we did like six episodes and then they like called us back in and they were like, hey, everyone's going to have to replace this, the character's name because we actually got it wrong or, you know, they wanted it this way. So we had to go back in and like redub the name. And then, um, so I don't actually know what she was, but she was the ingenue. She was a lead. And what was funny was, I know you and I both do a lot of our own voice, but we also do a lot of vocal transformation, right? Yeah. So I just yes. assumed that I would get my first job being someone completely other than myself. But this was my voice, uh-huh. completely my voice, just like, you know, the I would call it my mom voice, like my gentle maternal side. But she 
love it. Uh, yeah, uh, the show. So yeah, wow. I grew up in upstate New York in Albany. Yeah, and just kind of knew that. Oh, New York is three hours away, and my aunt lived there, and so we would visit her every once in a while, and that was always really exciting for me. You know, and yeah, that I mean, that's so crazy to think too. Like New York is just like a hot hop yeah. jump and you can like touch it, taste it. Like did you ever did you ever live in the city? Oh yeah. And listen here in the first of time years. It was a long you know, like I have an interesting relationship with New York. I loved working there. I, I didn't love living there, but I am an optimist. Uh, like, you know, I think that's why you and I connected so big time when we met. It's like we both yeah. had this really positive energy and this love for life. And I was like, I'm not gonna acknowledge even how it feels to live in a city where I don't know if you grew up in a suburb or not, but generally, if you grow up in a suburb, it's like you smile, nod, or say hello when you see someone, right? New York, it's different, you know? So you, I had to learn a different kind of nod because otherwise, you know, every man on the street thought I was like proposing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was just like, on that. so I came up with this really hilarious nod and it was like, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for business. But also, like, if you in New York, if you smile, nod, or say hello, you're either saying, like, I want a date, or you're saying, F you. You know what I mean? If you make eye contact with someone too long, you're saying, but it's so really interesting adjustment. And I, I never really got used to it. I was there for 16 years. That still kind of broke my heart that I couldn't do that all the time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Erica, she walks down the street. I know. I feel like possible. <laughs> Good day. Good morning. Life is a musical. That from She Loves Me, right? Yeah. It's from the musical <laughs> of your life, actually. You would love She Loves Me. It's hilarious. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Writing it down. So you got this random animation. It was that a very defect. It was the Ishan. I should have said that. It was a live action series. Oh. Yeah. So like, oh, yeah, live action, which is, you know, a lot more difficult. Yeah, because the lip flaps are so exactly. more specific, way more specific. And also the physicality and all of that. Yeah. Where was the dub from? Do you remember? At that point, with different networks, but I think it was, I think it was before the Fox Box or right when the Fox Box started. So it was with four kids, four kids productions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Seems like a lot I of people got so. their start at four were, kids, actually. There were so many like little studios around there, 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s in New York. There were like little hubs and you kind of would start with one place. And if you were, you know, a good person, not a diva, you showed up on time, extremely versatile. That was very important. And, you know, those, if, if you had those criteria, you could sort of build a web from there. You know, there were some people who didn't, build that web because they were divas or they weren't versatile enough so they kind of you know it got pigeonholed into certain types and stuff like that but back then yeah. during that time you could really build a web for yourself back then mm. and so then um <laughs> but after ultron then then what was your like what do you consider what project do you consider to be your biggest break or was there one? I don't know. I mean, after that, I think I played a bully character in Pokemon. I still don't remember his name. And then what season six? Season of Pokemon was it? 
And then maybe, okay. some, maybe someone will know. Still and then I was, I guess one of my biggest roles, biggest first roles, I believe was Lyser in Shaman King. Yeah. And uh-huh. And how, did, um, is there a story behind that casting? God, I, sh- I may have never told this story before. Oh dear. I think it was... I think it was, I did a, a, like six or seven episodes of Max in Pokemon. A lot of people don't know this. And then I was recast because they said I had uh, too much texture in my voice, which the director and I kind of thought was funny because we were like, I'm directable. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, you could have just given me the no. Yeah. I, I would just gotten rid of half the texture and would have been perfect. But at that point, they kind of weren't doing that. They're just kind of like, they heard something and they were like, nah, you know. And then, so, yeah. Sure. And even still, so, they, oh, I, they, even they, still I think that came first. So they heard some of that. It could have been the other way around. And then I got Lyserg. And then at this around the same time, Nurse Joy and my Valentine, because Megan Hollingshead, who I finally just met and like, which is so crazy. We've been friends online for years. She moved to Los Angeles and, you know, I uh-huh. have remote work. Nobody was doing remote work. So when Meg left, she was giving up her role. Sure. And I I was the best voice match and essence match for both of her parts. I auditioned for separately and just happened to get both. So I was like, thank you, Megan. <laughs> thank you, Megan. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. It's funny how it all, it's all cyclical, right? You win some, you lose some, and then you're back again. And yeah. So then you start working and and you're working and you're doing some voice acting here and there. How did your singing come into play? I know you've had different opportunities throughout the years. And performance in general or both? Well, I mean, even both. I was talking, I was thinking more um, in roles with Um, voiceover roles. Well, there's like a lot of characters just suddenly sing one episode. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, okay, I guess we're singing. So that's been the case at least 30 times where a character just like is gonna sing this episode. Meloetta was an interesting thing. There was a, it was a last minute thing that happened that was kind of an emergency. In Japan, they had put two tracks together and they never had done that before. They always were like separate sound design from the VO. And in this particular instance, something like that, I can't remember which two tracks were together that shouldn't have been, but they were like, you know, they knew I'd been on Broadway and they knew I did voice matching really well. So they were like, Erica, can you come in? Like, we got a deadline. We had no idea this was going to be mixed this way. Come in this way. We have an emergency. Can you come in and and be this character, Meloetta? So I was like, sure, you know. So I came in like that day or the next day and... It was three songs and there was no sheet music, no guide, no guide track, no lyric sheet. No, no guide track. Wow. I'm saying no lyric sheet, right? Because there's no, there are no lyrics. I mean, they're just, she made sounds, you know, but it was interesting because that's when I discovered. Well, that, you're like, is that in what or I love these? It said that it's exactly what I was thinking because the sounds were not like, it wasn't like an eh and it wasn't an eh. It was something in between a lot of the time. And I was like, how do I capture this in-between sound? You know, is kind of what it sounded like to me. So I was like, I think I had an hour to do all three songs. Just listen, repeat, like saying, make it, you know, voice match, but also kind of not as much my own. But I mean, obviously I couldn't do it exactly a voice match, three songs in one hour. But it was really fun to use my skills and to be 
and to have them be excited about that. It was it was really fun time. Yeah. How do when you get a sound alike or a voice match? What is your process? I mean, this I'm sure you have an answer too. When I teach and stuff, I I mean, the bunch of different processes I go through when I teach. But back in the day when we were doing, you know, these, we still do these voice matches in person sometimes. Meaning the audition process, no matter what language it was in, I would, you know, speak along gibberish with the sounds that were going on. You know, so. If it was a French thing, I'd be like, eh, la, 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 la. you know, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, no, no, those aren't character. Like, and it wasn't random things. I was trying to like exactly mimic what I heard, but it, I don't speak French. I should because I am French, but I chose to speak Spanish. But so <laughs> I had to just mimic the sounds. And for me, Mimicking it immediately after is the way to get into the zone. And then there's, you know, you could teach a class on that, on how to do it over time. But that was always the, the best thing. To, yeah. Let's just say you've done that and you've kind of got this French feel in your mouth. You've yeah. got to get rid of that, neutralize it, but keep the voice. So, you know, let's just say it was down here and a little more breathy and sort of low. So you kind of keep the essence of the pitch, the melody, you know, are they someone who goes up and down a lot? Are they someone who kind of stays even? What is their speed like? I mean, that is the least important when you're dubbing because it's like it's kind of dictated for you. Is texture, is there no texture, <laughs> things like that you're thinking about? But yeah, that was kind of my process. And it was just one of those things that I, you know, I used to do a lot of impressions early on in my career. And so I loved voice matching. That was something I always wanted to do. So yeah, that's Huh? What I thought happened. Yeah. And a lot of times it seems like they are trying to honor if, if you've got an in. But it, it does seem like sometimes they do want to stay true to sort of the vocal tone of of what you're dubbing. And and other times you have some more freedom and flexibility. So I it's kind of like on a project. project. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll like get it with the exact voice match, you know, and then you'll get the part and they'll say, mm. Now we want to change it a little bit or like now let's make it your own. That's happened several times, to be honest, which I always found interesting. You know, you want the because then they're saying, you know, it's more about the essence match than the exact vocal match. So that happens, too, which I'm sure you've had the experience of. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, you know, there's a certain amount of flexibility and like letting go that comes with the project, just like showing up and being like, Okay, I am your tool. How how do you want? To- I love that you said yeah. that. That I'm your tool. I tell people, uh, you know, when you walk in, and your most important job is to check your ego at the door. That's what I tell people. Check your ego at the door. <laughs> going on a ride, and you know, you you just have to be the the vessel. You have to take in what they're saying. Yeah, you know, you work a lot with the set the same people. The directors want to hire you again because they're like Allison takes direction really well. I mean, it's the most important thing is to just like have an idea, have a strong idea. The minute they say, that's not it. You can't be like, but, but, right. You have to be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure my idea now. So at the door, you have to be like, okay, okay, all right, what do you want? You know, like, and then give them what they're looking for. Right. A lot of questions. I'm seeing some questions in the timeline. First off, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're here with Erica Schroeder. Um, my name is Allison Packard, and this is Allison's Wonderland. It's a weekly podcast that I do where I interview people that work in animation and video games. And Erica and I met at 
a convention, I think about two years ago, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And so I've been trying to get her to come on the show. I can't wait for while, and I'm so excited that we're finally here. Yes, this gorgeous woman is camera shy, if you can believe that. But this is such an amazing opportunity. Now, Erica, you voiced over 300 animated characters. I just have to ask, do you have a favorite? That's a fun question and like a frequent one, you know. I tell people it's kind of did a lot depending on the day you ask me. Like, I don't have favorites per se, but there are ones that kind of speak to me in different ways. You know, there is a show that I'm working on now called Boy, Girl, Dog, Cat, Mouse, Cheese. It only took me about six month just came up but i play two of the main characters it's a prelay so i play cheese and cat and i'm in love with both of these characters like deeply deeply in love with them and i do get to improv singing with cheese a lot so some of the songs in season <laughs> one they now have a writer but like a lot of the songs from season one are my improvs yeah nice oh my gosh if you happen to remember any of that cheese Making birds talk. I want it up to seas. What gender was up? I don't know what's taking you downtown. Cause I'm cheese cow. The toughest cheese are up. I actually just made it. I wanted to be like Prince. I was like, to be like Prince. You wanted to what? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I think I had lyric, but if, yeah, Prince, Prince Edward Cheese. Cheese as Prince. <laughs> What type of prince, what type of cheese would prince be? That is a great, is there one that has like a purple hue to it? It wouldn't be blue saga in the yeah. Saga? There is a cheese that has a purple rind, isn't there? Yes, there's, oh, yeah. I'm looking, I'm Googling it on the side here. And then it's like, it, it's apparently a type of weed known as like marijuana strain <laughs> called purple cheese. That was like, that's not what I'm looking for. There's also a purple. Balloon yeah. cheddar, which is perfect. You use purple balloon cheddar. God, it's the best. I mean, I told myself when I was little, I had a lot of like strange rules for myself. I said, I'm not going to drink my calories. I love to eat, so I don't drink juice, soda. Although I made an exception today because it was the kids' last day of school before spring break, and they love boba. I think oh. there's a boba uh, place they can walk to. Uh, so they were like, "Mom, do you want boba?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." But um, I was a little worried because I'm super sensitive to caffeine. So like right before we went live, I was yeah. like, ooh, you do. I feel kind of funny because I get like, I literally, I think I can remember this when we were hanging out. But yeah, I can't even have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, uh, I can have a yeah. half wow. cup of decaf. That's as much as my body can handle. Yeah. It's crazy. I love me some decaf. I'm also not really on cafe, but the occasional now I can like sneak it in. Kate says caffeine makes me sleepy, which is insane. And that's, I've never heard that. I feel like I've never done I've never. drugs, but I would imagine that it's like a hard drug because it, it literally makes me feel a little bit like off. But some people, are yeah, yeah, it is a drug, right? It is a drug. <laughs> so you started working on Pokemon in season six, you said, and you still work on it to this day. What has it been like being with a project for so long? Um, How many years would, would that question. be? 20, I believe. Like, I think 20 years. 20 years. And it's like, I've had different directors. I've had, you know, characters that have been around for a long time. I've had ones that have come and gone. I've had ones that like showed up and then, you know, six years later, they show up again. 
and then I, I keep adding characters to my roster. They just have to. They're they're like, okay, who voiced you know seven seven and I don't know seven and who voiced one at night. He goes by Adam and Ed, but he's been a fan of mine for a really long time, and he used to send plushies to Duart for me. And I told them I was like, when I would get a new role, he would like send a plushie. He didn't send all of them, but it was so sweet. And I was like, you know, these are going to my kids, you know. And he was like, that's totally fine. And he would write me a really nice. But this one wasn't from him. But anyway, so because of because of him, I did start collecting some of the plushie. Oh yeah, get a real guy here. Happens to be on my desk. It's so funny. I know um, Tamar, who's I think on the live right now, gave me a Transformers what? blanket, like one of those blanket things for Christmas. I did the Transformer VR game. I thought that was so nice. And then my son stole it. And Tamar, I didn't even tell you, he every single day, like, comes out, out from his oh. bed in the blanket, in his Transformers blanket, and like hangs out in it all morning long, has breakfast yeah. in it, like this, you him out of This was a plushie that was made by a man. It's super, yeah, it's super heavy. It had light beans in it. I don't know. Like, look at how, the detail on this thing. And then it was really funny because my daughter Madigan at one point liked to wear it just like, on her head. Hey, she just liked the like <laughs> the weight of it because it's kind of heavy. But anyway, I have amazing things that Anna sent me. So speaking of your daughter Madigan, she's got quite the little voiceover career on her own. I know. I was like, I, maybe we should be like cult with her. I, I said, you might want to drop in. She was like, no. I but um, she's actually coming to LA with her dad on Saturday because oh Bat Wheels is having their rap party. And yeah, it almost didn't happen because oh, I was like, I'm booked wow. all day, the day of the rap party for Boy Girl Dog Cat Mouse Cheese. So I was like, I can't go. Plus, we were leaving on a family vacation the next day. So if we are, we tetris this, like you would not believe. We just need some really good travel karma or people are going to get left back. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. How, when did she get her star voice acting? Now, Madigan is this queen uh, now. Thir- but no, you, you sorry, how huh, when, when we met now? Okay, too. So, uh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. She just, uh, like, she, she got her start at NYAB. They liked her a lot. So she was, oh my God, what was the name? I, I should not forget the name of this first thing because I was in it and I was the title character. Let me just remind you, over 300 animated what? characters, Erica, you're about to forget, named after my character. Anyway, it was just like that was the first thing. And then she did My My Miracle, a tiny little part in that. And then she did Mirai, which ended up being the yes. Academy Awards. And like, I mean, when I saw it in the theater, I was like, oh my God, this thing is amazing. She played she plays the mother as a child as a hellion it is the funniest scene i mean it's just it's hysterical and when she did that because i was always like i'll just let you have experiences you know she did something for pinna and she was getting these experiences a lot like people really like working with her so then after the mariah thing happened i was like oh i think maybe i should try and get you an agent you know and then i was like oh my god maybe my first agent when i was at nyu like i worked with an agent for like less than six months because I was like, I can't do this to my fellow student. I can't 
miss class. I can't, I'm the, I'm very type A. So I was like, I gave it all, I gave it all up to just be faithful to school. We'll say <laughs> like, like school was my boyfriend. And that was my like side hustle. And I was like, bye-bye. Anyway, so it was weird because I had just left um, Abrams, which is now A3, and I had gone to Stewart. And then my agent from NYU, from when I was at NYU, also left like three months after me and went to Stewart. So I was like, oh, I think I should just call them, call her. And so they said they definitely wanted an appointment and... um. You know, and that's that's how she got picked it into high gear. And then she uh, did her first big thing for television was a Coco in Chuggington, yeah, which is a show about training. Okay. Do you, you did you train her? Did you how did that work? Um, did she start working? She did not start working before she could read. She was an uh-huh. early reader. And um, people that are listening, right, need to hear this from us. Voiceover is the only. Hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Performance where you have to be able to read and express simultaneously. So it's very different than every other art form because other art forms require memorization and rehearsal. With voiceover, you know, we have to be on the fly, in the moment, able to take that direction right away and able to read and express simultaneously. So gen- generally that doesn't start happening till second grade. And then it, 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 it usually kids are ready around fourth. So she was she was a little bit of an early learner with that. So she was she was reading when she was doing the work. Yeah. Wow. And so did you use your skills as a teacher? That is a great It's a really interesting answer, too, because I never technically coached Madigan, like as I do with my students, like I never taught her everything, how to use this, you know, this, the I teach from the outside in, it's called and then the inside out. And I tell people when those two things cross in the middle, that's where the magic happens. And I also teach completely different for each person because everyone's an individual. Mm. Yeah, like there's, yeah, I love that formula. Like it's kind of true, right? It, with on camera, sorry, uh, with on camera, it's like it's so much from the inside, inside, and it's almost like um, sometimes poo-pooed to be working from the outside in. But there's such a component of voice acting where you're physically uh, taking on characteristics of uh, like a face, and somebody's got big cheeks, or like if they get kind of an underbite, like you're actually working from the outside in. So I think that's very wise and. Uh, and I, I, a very interesting insight. Yeah. Pitch, melody, yeah. intonation, speed, all those tr- all the tools, your outside in toolbox that have to sort of be a part of the process of the inside, which is like, yeah, what you're feeling, who you're talking to, what verb you're playing, what is your subtext? You know, there's there's so many different tools on both sides. But so anyway, I think she picked up a lot of that because I coached her on her auditions, you know, and now like we were, I yeah. just am basically pushing record, you know what I mean? And then I'll say like, oh, I'm getting this line, you know, I really feel like you need to slow down and punctuate more or think about who, you, you know, who you're, who you're talking to, or this seemed a little flat. This is a comedic moment, you know, just little things like that. 
she doesn't need much because she's just so she's really good naturally. And um, so I try to actually stay out of her way more than anything. And then with her, she reads her own scripts. I don't prep her at all. Like, I'm not the director. I have nothing to do with the only thing I'd say is like, did you prep your scripts? You know, did you? And so and I mean, not just highlight, read everyone's part and understand what's going on, you know. So, but she's really good about that. And you know, it's last minute sometimes. Wow. It's very last wow. minute. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure for Madigan, growing up and seeing you do it, it probably has yeah. become second nature. And, you know, there's like an idea that, you know, that nepotism is a thing or it's a bad thing. And, and I don't think I, a lot of times it's just literally it's in her bones. It's in her blood. He's, she's able, she doesn't have to learn it because she it's it's in the water all the way so like my husband is a composer and was uh, acted for a little bit too just try it and um he's a musical director so our family's very artsy and so it's kind of like something that she grew up with it is interesting and also i just want to say this because i know i've said before you and i both do authentic and then transformational madigan only does authentic mm. right now so what amazing is like i don't have to teach her how to be herself like she just has to bring herself to the role but you know there will be a point where she's asked to transform and then i'll be like okay come to mama because that's my specialty in terms of like teaching people how to you know begin that process yeah so it's it's funny because you mentioned that you are also a teacher and obviously with your level of expertise and your experience in the business, you're very well qualified to teach. How did you come about I starting as um, a teacher in this? Because we're both moms <laughs> and it's important for us to be present with our with our kids. When my son was five, I could only, I had some amazing directors and producers in my life. And I said, look, I'm not taking on any new relationships while my kids are this small. I did pull away and do a main you know, focus on them during that time period. And that meant I could only go into the studio two days a week. I told them it was, I think it was Mondays and Fridays. And so for some people that was like, oof, that's hard. Like we might get stuff on a Wednesday. And I was like, can't you wait till Friday? So I, but I doing that, I was like, I need money. But also I was like, I love to teach. I taught Shakespeare when I was like in my late teens and early twenties to to fourth and fifth graders. Wow. I had choreographed a little bit. You know, I'm not really a dancer I wanted to be. I had taught a lot. <laughs> there were a lot of different reasons. I also had like a bunch of people coming to me at the same time saying, how do I do this? How do I? So one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to put it like, this is my schedule. If you fit into my schedule, great. It's audition and recommendation only, which means you have to have someone that vouches for you as a human. Are you are you a good human? Are you a responsible human? Mm. You know, what I mean, you do show up. Are you respectful? Are you going to um, do the work? And then the audition mm. is, do I think you have potential? You can tell me to F off and say, oh, well, you don't think I have potential? And I tell people, you can tell me to F off and go somewhere else. But in order for me to put my time and, and into you, I have to believe in you and you have to believe in you. So that was like, so there was a, a two-part process of, of getting in. 
and I sit one student per day in the morning. Mm. And this is the funny part. Wow. While my son watches his cartoons. 8 a.m., 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, I had five students. That's how I started so that I would put him. I love it. was right before he went to kindergarten and I'd sit him in front of the TV for his cartoons. It was so funny because like we're both experiencing the same thing, but from different. And he was right through the wall, you know, and uh, I left the door open and mm-hmm. he could come in anytime he wanted. I would tell my all my um, students like I am home with my son. My my daughter was in school at that point. And I was like, and, you know, if you hear a little voice or if I you know, I might get interrupted, he almost never. I mean, I could count on one hand the amount of times yes. that he did that just because he was so into cartoons, which like made me so happy. So I was like, this oh, is yeah. your education time, which is hilarious. Most people were like, don't watch that. I was like, is this <laughs> cartoon education? Yeah. Let's yeah. start with the class. I mean, like, you hear some old media and like, it's it's funny. I mean, artists, we want our kids to be, get a totally experience <laughs> art. To us, it's the joy of life. Absolutely. And I love, I love how you took motherhood as a jumping off point for starting a business and creating something amazing for yourself. I think it can really be challenging juggling your time as an artist when you suddenly give birth and your identity changes and your time is not your own anymore and you were able to take those limitations and make something amazing. That's incredibly inspiring. Yeah. So I'm going to go to some of the questions right now. We have 12, oh, gosh, 12 questions in here. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Okay. Erica, where is your favorite, Ken Collectors ask, where's your favorite con location? I guess we can also use this as an opportunity for you to share any conventions that you might have coming yeah. up so that people I mean, can have I'm opportunity. I'm not sure yet because I'm still like really starting to travel the country. Utah was stunning. It was so different to, to experience. That was just like a place where I was in awe of nature. You know, anywhere I looked, there were mountains. This is so beautiful. I can't even. So I really loved, I loved being in Utah. I love going to Florida because my mom, I mean, because my mom lived there. So I can see her when I'm there. Uh-huh. It's been amazing. So every time I've gone to Florida, my mom and I have found each other. And I don't get to see her that often. So it's really cool. Obviously, going to California is really fun. I have enjoyed everywhere I've been. I don't have to go to a big city to have fun. I went um, yeah. dirt roading and um, where was I? Missouri, right outside of Kansas City. I can't remember the name of the town. Boy, did I have fun there with Linda. Linda Sorda. That's not her last name, but that's her Instagram. But anyway, we had a great time there. So I don't know. I love I love all the locations, but I'm going to Hawaii. It's amazing. You have Hawaii. Why going to Hawaii soon? Oh, and, oh yeah, my God. That's something to Hawaii to Seattle, which is going to crazy. Seattle was cool. Or just I loved Seattle too. Yeah. So are you taking? Yes. Two days. I get you to enjoy yeah. yourself. Two days. Yeah. One one with my husband and one without because he's gotta he's gotta get going too. But that'll be like the first convention that he's going to with me with you know that we didn't drive to like with the kids or something some local thing. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yep. Any stories about? For- you have any stories? We haven't talked about Yu-Gi-Oh at all. Do you have any stories about the current season of Yu-Gi-Oh? You voice Missy and not Miss others, but that might be like Missy. a 
um, miscredit those things happen all the time. But okay, so what? I think a lot of people credit me as that, but I don't think it was me because I think I listened on YouTube and I was like, that's not me. But my, do I have any foreign <laughs> stories about it? So, well, I'm looking at yeah. the desktop right here. I have the voice saved because I very rarely voice now in this particular arc, Yo Sevens. I play Mrs. Drone. And what's really funny is like the first few times I told people what I played, I called it Mrs. Droid because I was just like, <laughs> no, it sounds very similar. But um, I just got to meet the whole cast. Um, obviously, a lot of them I knew from the past. But Aaron Dunstan, the director, had a uh-huh. shindig in New York for all of us. And then he was with you guys. He was in L.A. meeting the whole, hanging out with the whole Los Angeles cast. So... Yeah, he just went, amazing. And that was so much fun, just seeing some of the producers that I worked with for 20 years were there. And I was like, oh my God. And like, we have this engineer that everybody loves. I'm just looking at these comments finally. I was looking at them at all before. Uh, Joe Shalik is his real name, but we all call him Joe Vegas because he likes to gamble. And Joe is like one of the best engineers in the world. First of all, he's just fast. He's so fast that he'll just like, you know, pull something that you did where you were like oh you know or something just something crazy that you did like you know you just make a sound and he'll he'll pull that put it in a little thing and then every time you come into the studio he'll be like you know just like play whatever thing will embarrass you (laughs) between cues he would just like play it joe was so much fun so i hadn't seen joe in a really long time so it was like big hug time yeah he helped me out the other day i had to try like Add change of file and I couldn't figure out how to do it and I was like Joe help me he saved me yeah help. I mean there's a lot of being asked of voice actors these days in terms of recording and things that we didn't have to do 10 years ago that now we're responsible save it as a wave 4800 yeah you know hurts and whatever differently like sometimes I'm using three different systems just to record sometimes I'm using two and it's never the same. I mean, it's the same for that company or that director, but like, I think I've worked 12, like 12 different ways since the pandemic, like, like 12 different combinations of systems. And it's funny because Source Connect, the one that we have to have is like, ain't nobody using that now. Like, right? I don't know. Like, so few people, right? You have it. Yeah. But so, yeah. So few people use it. You know, it's more like Session Link Pro or, there's just a hundred others, you know. With the pandemic opening things up remotely, what has it been like for you oh, working at Art? That's a great question. It was awesome. I mean, I say was because it's not it's not that it isn't still continuing, but that the preferences have gone back local, you know. So it's like you're really gonna impress where it was kind of an equal playing field for a little while there. Wow. It's like you would have to like pull it out there for a New York thing. I would have to pull it out there for an LA thing because casting directors do like to work with people that they know, you know, they that they have a track record with or that to call those people in and directors like to do that. But it was great. I mean, it was really fun to just start working on a bunch of Crunchyroll projects, you know, or Funimation at the time. And I was like, this is a blast. I'm having I'm having, you know, a fantastic time. And yeah, it really opened up a lot of a lot of different work that I wasn't doing before. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, what was it like voicing the original Luffy um, from 
One Piece. It was awesome. Luffy. I loved it. And One Piece. A lot of people have different opinions about it. And I love opinions because that's what makes us an audience. And that's what makes us artists. Even audience members are artists because we're interpreting what we like about something, what we don't like about it. For what it was for me and the experience that I had, it was nothing but positive and wonderful. I really enjoyed with like we had a week with members of Japan of the Japanese team like they came in and spent I think three weeks with uh, four kids total but then a, about a week with me and we had board meetings we talked about the character we didn't even record like I was like this feels, yeah I was like this feels like like my Broadway stuff like this feels like ta- what's called table work I don't know if you guys know what it is but like mm. Like a table, it, like it's like gravel work because we're talking about things that are important, but we're not necessarily you know, we're doing work, but we're not doing the work. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. and depending on if you're, if you're doing a play where the director really likes to do a lot of table work, you could be you could spend a week at the table. So that was fun and exciting, and you know I enjoyed the whole process and the whole ride. Yeah, wow, amazing. And and are you denying in your spiritual? But my son does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really into it. Oh, wow. Really into anime right now. It's not that I haven't seen anything. Like, I did I did watch all of Suppose a Kid. Here comes another title for you, Allison. Not Girl, Dog, Cat, Mouse, Cheese, but Suppose a Kid <laughs> from the Last Dungeon Boonies moved to a starter town. Yes. That's the title? That was another one that took me like six months to learn how to say. I just started saying Boonies, or Dungeon Boonies. I would like panic when someone asked me, like, what are you working on? I'd be like, bah, you know. I could not. But I could not work on Tyler. I was like, where is he? They were like, what? Dungeon. I was like, I don't know. So finally, when I learned how to say it, anyway, my son was starting to get into anime. So I was like, I'll watch it. I'll watch it with him. I'll watch it. It was really fun. And then he ended up watching it last year a second time. It was really cute. Really cute. He goes, you know that Dungeon Boonies show? I was like, yeah. He's like, that's a good one. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna be a sl- it's gonna be a slow burn, but it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleeper. Like he <laughs> he thinks, and I really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was great. I worked with Damon Mills on that. He was the director, and he's God. He's fun to work with. I mean, I love that guy. Yeah. Wow. What's the most challenging character you've ever played? Um, it's always surprising when I talk about this. I think the beginning of Blaze the Cat. Look blazes right here mm-hmm. and i think this was this is from ed slash adam <laughs> and i'll tell you why because blaze is kind of close to me in certain ways so not like super far away but not just that so there were a lot of people in the room you know and the more people that are in the room the more input there is the more pressure there is to get it right but also the more pressure there is to like put together different adjectives you know, one of the classes that I used to love to teach was like, we would just throw adjectives that made sense together with adjectives that didn't make sense or seemingly didn't make sense. But then when you layered them together, the character's so interesting. Yeah. That sounds, it doesn't mean you have to be both of these things at once all the time. You can't. You could try. But you can also say, oh, when this character is talking to their mother, this is this adjective is more prominent. As opposed to when they're talking to their grandfather and then this adjective takes over, you know? But anyway, so Blaze was very layered, lots of input, you know, more than I think I was used to hearing. And some of it conflicted, you know, some of it seemed to be 
conflicting, but it wasn't. That it, it all went together. So it just took a little more time for it to really like sink in. And then once it did, it was sort of sailing from there. And they just, you know, every couple of years, they'd be like, here's a new one. Here's a new one. You know, so I did like seven, seven games and it was a blast. I loved every minute. Had Blaze existed, had she been voiced? No, not. I mean, there was obviously the original language, but I was the first English voice actor for Blaze the Cat. Yeah. Wow. And so what now, because Blaze, you know, then appears in the series and stuff like that, is it, and you have a number of iconic characters that have also been voiced by other actors that ever do you ever feel like ownership yeah, over a character or no i'm one of the people yeah. who like believes that it belongs to the writer and first and then the artist second yeah. and the voice actor third and and i also think it's like blaze will never leave me i like i will always be yeah. blaze blaze will always be me but that doesn't mean that blaze can't be other people like think of how many people voiced batman you know, and I think for Emma Frost, yeah. it might have been the seventh. I don't even know, actually. I never, I checked. But I've been the first, I've been the yeah. second, I've been the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And I I definitely to hear from other voice voice actors who, who voiced my roles before, after me. And I, I genuinely don't feel like threatened. I know some people do. I don't know where that comes from, but I think I really don't know. Oh, but I think for me, my my parents did a good job in teaching me to be generous. And I think that it kind of extended in, in other ways in my life that maybe they didn't expect. But like meeting Megan, you know, like she and I are both going out as my Valentine and Nurse Joy. And like we actually got you mean, that year. Yeah. You mean like and that. so there was once where we both were booked at the same one. You know, and so we finally got to meet and we were just like awesome with each other. We took lots of pictures with the same cosplayers. We took pictures together and it was just like, there's always room, you know, there's always room for everyone. And I do believe that. And because the other way of being, it's not healthy, you know, uh, just not healthy. I know. And, and once you go down that path, it's really hard to get off it because there is a certain amount as an artist because there is you know if you are auditioning there may be 600 a thousand two thousand people reading for a role and it's going to go to one person so it can easily play into a scarcity mindset of like i didn't get it I, you know i lost as opposed to the person that got sure. one and there's just no cheese down the end of the other thing is, is like i was i always thought whatever's meant to be is meant to be but we have no control over it we can manifest as much as we want but at the end of the day it's gonna go where it's gonna go we have no control over it and that's like do you remember phoebe from friends when she said like putting it in the bubble and letting it go what episode my mom says that i, I didn't know she got it from phoebe from friends though <laughs> Put it in a I think bubble and blow it away. Maybe it came before Phoebe, but I remember Phoebe kind of talking about that and um and, and thinking like, that's a really good way to live. You know, like, you know how many auditions we do in a week and it's like, you just got to let it go. I never think about it again. Is it going to come back to me? Like, is it going to be a boomerang or is it going to be a Frisbee? You know, so I just send it out like a Frisbee and if it's a boomerang, I'm like, yay for the boomerang, you know? It was a good surprise, isn't it? Yeah, I love that. Wow. Such a wise woman, Erica. It's been so lovely chatting with you. Before we go, do you have any words of wisdom or anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Oh, you want Uh, some pearls of wisdom? 
Yeah. Do you have any parting words that you would like to to leave us for those that are wrapping up or just in life in general? Life in general. Think about like what Allison and I just talked about, like not being. I think what's really important is never feeling competitive with another person. You have to be competitive with yourself. Am I doing my best? Am I living my best life? Am I giving my all? Because if you're not giving your all, then you're, you know, you can do better next time. Compete against yourself. Don't compete against other people. It's a downward spiral and you will never find joy. And also when you're auditioning, and this I guess is specific to actors, um, find joy in it because it, it's a moment to perform and it might not be live anymore that much. That's sad. Or in front of anybody. Love the live audition microphone. Yeah, I mean, I like my best friend. Of live auditioning. I really do. I, people don't realize now that directors can't tell if, you, if you're directable anymore because they're not experiencing you live. They don't know how long it took you to get from point A. That'd be hard, right? It might they have taken you 45 minutes where yeah. a live audition. It's got to take less than 45 seconds. And it might just be the person who interprets copy the best that becomes, <laughs> that gets the job and not necessarily the person that takes direction the best or tree. Well, then they think this. And enjoy every minute of auditioning, you know, find your passion and your love while you're doing it and, and look at it as a chance to perform. And that's going to be your best shot at anything, I think. Wise words, Erica. It's been so lovely getting to see your face. I hope you get all ass and stuff in person this year. Hopefully we'll have them around for a manifest bath. Well, I'm going to collect to come Long Beach, so I'll message you and see if we can get together. I would, I would love yeah. that. Thanks for tuning in to Alice's Wonderland. Yay! We discover the lots of love to him, my lady. And we'll see you guys soon. Thank you all for tuning in. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.